Hello and welcome to Neutral Wrestling. This is your Royal Rumble recap show. A little bit later than we had planned. But hey, let's get into it. Let's get into the Royal Rumble. I am joined by Tebs. Tebs, how do you enjoy the show? You enjoy the first WWE pay-per-view of the new decade. Uh, you know, Dan, oh, hi everyone. Um, you know, Dan, I loved it. Um, well, I loved the Rumble match. I thought everything else was solid. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into it in uh, bit, piece by piece, bit by bit. But yeah, overall, um, I come away from some pay-per-views thinking, why did I bother? And I think this fully deserves the the hype it got beforehand and the and the plaudits it's got afterwards. Yeah, really good, really good. Definitely, definitely. It helps, doesn't it, when you get a really good main event. As I say, like a, a boxing show or anything like that, the main event is what the show is all about. So if you get that great main event, you're left on a high, leaves a good taste in the mouth. And you forget some of the lesser matches on the show, say like, trying to think, say like the Lacey Evans match, which we will get into later on. But yeah, we were just saying off air, it seems like ages ago since we were sat messaging each other. It was only two nights ago now at the time of recording. But we'll start with just some of the big news from the show. Obviously, Drew McIntyre won the Royal Rumble. His first Rumble win, he defeated, he threw Brock Lesnar over the top rope, Roman Reigns over the top rope, so a big star-making performance for Drew McIntyre. Obviously, maybe the biggest news of the show was, as we said on the preview show, Edge returned. It was sort of like everybody knew going in, there was a chance this would happen, but when that music hit, Minute Maid Park absolutely erupted. Other news, Charlotte Flair, she won the Women's Royal Rumble, um, a few notes after the show, we've got some news on where they're heading with Charlotte Flair's Royal Rumble win, who she'll be facing at WrestleMania, as well as news on the backstage altercation between our boy Matt Riddle and Brock Lesnar. But we're going to start with the pre-show, Tebs, and the first match of the evening, after what seemed like endless amounts of talking from that pre-show panel, was Sheamus defeating Chad Gable, and um, the match was basically Sheamus working on the hand of Gable. Gable responded by working on the leg until Sheamus got the bro kick out of nowhere for the win. Tebs, you enjoy this one? What, what were your thoughts on this opening match of the pre-show? Yeah, fairly standard. I thought uh, Sheamus was just going to come out, bro kick his head off uh, Chad Gable's head, that is, um, and finish it one, two, three, quick win. Um, I actually liked that uh, Gable put up that bit of a fight. Um, it really sort of showed his wrestling technique. He showed what a technical wrestler he was uh, for trying to take down the big man. But um, if this is a sign of what they've got for Sheamus to come, then I'm uh, I'm I'm quite excited actually. I'm, I like Sheamus. He's uh, he's a good character. He's uh, you know competent at what he does. He's been with WWE for a long time. Um, I think if this is something that's going to set him off on a on his road to WrestleMania, then yeah, quite quite satisfied with his comeback. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good match, wasn't it? I, obviously, it didn't help that the crowd was still all filing in. I mean, we've been at WrestleMania last year. I'm trying to think what the opening match was. I remember that. I remember. Th- was it like Buddy Murphy against? Um, was it Buddy um, Murphy against Tony Nese? Was that the, the match? It was, the first one was the. I'm pretty sure it was the tag. It was um, what's the boy's name? Come on. Oh, God. The guy who's always losing. Come on, help me out. Anyway. Chad Gable. <laughs> no, <laughs> you can take your pick at the minute. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, was, uh, oh, come on. 297 whatever losses. Anyway, tag team. There were tag team match. Oh, 
Zach, was that Ryder and Kurt Hawkins? They won the belts, didn't they? Hawkins, Kurt Hawkins. Yeah, they won the belts. So that was their moment when everybody was still at uh, the popcorn stand. Um, and then, yeah, Murphy Nice was the one I actually missed because I was off uh, getting drinks. But, uh, yeah, they were on for WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah that pre- the pre-show, I thought, overall did did drag a little bit. I mean, they started the action. This was only early on because I sent you a message about... 10, about five past ten UK time, so I think I was uh, catching up on a bit of Love Island for my sins. Um, but I think it was about twenty past twenty five past ten around that time when the two came out for this match. And there's just no need for a two hour pre show. But as I say, the crowd there was literally no crowd in the building at this point. But I think they went out there. They had a nice little match. It was for, considering there was no crowd there. Gable told a nice little story. Obviously, Sheamus was going to get. The victory with it being his first, I think his first match back, wasn't it? Um, but I was thinking, I thought, if yeah. you're Sheamus, right, you've been out with this injury for, what, 10 months? There was rumours coming out of WrestleMania last year that that was it for Sheamus. The end of his career, and I thought, you've worked. You've worked all those hours in the gym. You've pictured your comeback match. And here it was on the pre-show where nobody was watching in front of about three or 4,000 people. So, yeah. You can't have was, a storytale ending every time. I was surprised with the two-hour, I mean, a two-hour pre-show with two matches on it. And like you say, first match came on about 25 past 10. Seamus and Gable did the stuff. Thank you very much. I'm off having a having a smoke break. And so I get a text from you. Oh, here comes Andrade. I'm like, what the hell? Got running back up at about five past 11. We've got Andrade against Carrillo. And, and, uh, and then I'm just there thinking, well, okay, we've got another 50 minutes of Booker getting excited over... Uh, Reigns Corbin, so yeah, the two hours, there's no need for a two-hour pre-show. If if you've only got two matches on it, there's no need. Definitely. You could see, like, Christian was, like, stumped. Christian, who's really, like, good, obviously he's got, well, he had his own podcast, but he's really good, he never stumbles over his words, and even he was, like, running out of, I don't know, WWE talk statements, things to say in their verbiage. Um, but, yeah, definitely a long pre-show. Um, the next match was Andrade versus Humberto Korean on the On the Preview show that we did. I'd like to think that was a little better than this pre-show. Maybe, maybe not. And I said, there's no way they're going to put this match on the pre-show. No way. They've been building up for this match for weeks and weeks. They did a whole injury angle. They're not going to waste this match on the pre-show where nobody cared. And here I am sat there, five past 11. I was opening up my first crunchy. What happens? Andrade marches to the ring. Um, I thought this match, Tebs, it was... It really, I think the crowd reaction really did make this match less than what it was. You could see that Andrade was just sort of like, I felt like they sort of had the attitude of, well, nobody's really caring about this. Nobody's watching, so I'm not going to go out there, do everything that we're capable of doing because they've had some good matches on Raw in previous weeks. But yeah, to me, Tebs, why do this match on the pre-show? It's like, yeah, you, the I... feud's going to carry on and then... It, it, Andrade just wins clean and then we find out on Raw that Humberto gets a rematch even though he lost clean so I wasn't a fan of this match at all um, it should have been saved well you've seen about what's happened with Andrade now haven't you yeah yeah well for, for those people who don't know he's um, 30 day suspension for breaking the wellness policy the third WWE wrestler for this to happen to in the last month after previously three years of it's very surprising three years with no wellness policy break. So I think they've been sweeping a few things under that carpet, but uh, back to the match. 
But uh, yeah, look, um, solid match. If I were Andrade, I'd keep thinking, why am I coming out here? Excuse me, busting a bollock against uh, Rey Mysterio and uh, Humberto and all these different people. Why am I putting on matches that could, you know, that have top class matches? You know, he's, he's, he's an excellent, excellent wrestler. Um, and they just keep sticking on the pre-show. And you've just got to start wondering, you've got to think, when am I going to be able to do this in front of an audience? Uh, it, you know, I think it deserves better. I really do. I think that match was, you know, out of all the singles matches, that was probably the one that I was actually most uh, most invested in, to be totally honest, come, you know, looking back at the other ones. Yeah, that's the, the story. Like we said, though, there was a good story, story going into it. I mean, not to say, I don't think the action was bad. I mean, it was a good match, but... Just, I think I just sat there spending the entire match thinking, are they taking the piss? Why is this on the pre-show? But that's my issues. But yeah, so we had Andrade retaining the title, um, only for him the following night on Raw to be taken out by Umberto and obviously out of action for 30 days. Not often someone gets to have the 30 days off and still keep the title. Normally they take the title off the person who breaks the well, the wellness policy, but they've well. chose not to. No, they've chosen not to uh, take it off the future Mr. Flair. wonder why that is. Yeah. And um, now it means on Raw, there will be no singles titles defended, probably for the next four episodes. No, um, I never even thought of that. The, um, yeah, we're going to get the tag team, which is massively underlooked. Um, so now the, you know, the Drew Brock story can rumble on, but that's going to WrestleMania. There's not going to be any major deviations from that and then you've got Andrade who's still got the belt for the next 30 days I, unless there's going to be some form of uh, you know a tournament running for the next US uh, United States champion contender um, I, I think there's going to be able to be a lot of work done elsewhere to, to make up for the fact there's no titles now yeah I mean if you think about it 30 days what was it the 27th on Monday so I think it's the 27th, the Saudi show. So he will just about make it back in time for that show. I bet he's good. I bet he wished he'd have found out on the Thursday. Uh, maybe not for the sake of his bank balance, but hey. So yeah, that was the pre-show. Um, then we had another half an hour of talking. Nothing really worth going into. And then we had the opening to the show. Um, I said the stadium, it, it really was a great looking stadium. It adds something a little bit different. It being in a stadium, you do lose a bit of the atmosphere. I think you were saying you didn't really like the entrance. Is that right? You're saying you didn't like the way no. that they entered from to the rumble and to the ring? Uh, if, if they had them coming up from, you know, the, there's the sort of stair, staircase coming up, you know, like you see uh, some of the football stadiums, I think it's... Uh... Yeah. By Munich or whoever, where they make the stairs, you know, rising up. The star comes up from the stairs, and there's two boards next to them or whatever. This just feels like, you know, the next superstar has just appeared at the end of a of a gangway and they're walking down. It, I don't know. It just loses a bit of that. It loses a bit of that impact having the big Titan Tron above them and having a a set. Um, but then again, it makes the crowd part of the set. So maybe there is, if they, if they kept this for the rumble and they had this setting as, you know, this is where the rumbles are held in baseball stadiums. And, you know, that's fine by me. I, I don't know. I'm just a traditionalist. Yeah. Um, so the first match was Roman versus Baron Corbin. And as you know, Tebs, as people might know on our Twitter account, I might be alone on this. But for whatever reason, I, I love this match. I can't put my finger on why. I don't know if I'd 
if the coffee had kicked in, if the crunchy had kicked in, but I don't know if I was just delighted the pre-show had finished. But I love this match. I don't I don't know why I wasn't excited really going into it. I was thinking, why is this on the main show? But I don't know, I think they just got me. You had Roman flying through two tables, Corbin flying through two tables. I think we were saying on WhatsApp that you really do have to have Rude and Ziggler involved in this match, which they did. The Usos came out, made the save. A great dive by one of the Usos. You had um, R Roman hitting Superman punches. They, they took it. Obviously, there was that incident with uh, the toilet cabin. I don't know what they call it in America, the porter potty. I can't say that. Um... And then the match finishes with Roman hitting the spear on Baron Corbin on top of the dugouts, which I just thought looked great. Do you know what I mean? It reminded me a bit of the uh, Miz versus Shane McMahon match from WrestleMania, which we were in the crowd for and could barely see any of it. But I, Tebs, well, again, I really what... liked it. Yeah, look, I, I enjoyed I think after the interference, I was kind of watching it all saying, right, when a when are Ziegler and Rube turning up? When are they turning up? Because you, you just know it's going to happen. And there, then it did. And Usos took them out. And then they got on with the match. And I thought, right, we've done with the shenanigans. We've done with the booking. Let's get on with it. And yeah, I think when you mentioned there about the mid-shaped man, I just kept thinking when I was watching it, there's that scene where he's just put Corbin into the toilet and the spotlight shining down. And just from one angle, you just think, half the stadium can't see that. They're stood behind these toilets. You know, is it a good spectacle? But... Then that moment on the dugouts with the spear, I thought, yeah, that's a that's a great, um, as you put it, that's a great visual. Um, and I think taking it down into the crowd gave a lot more to the match. False count anywhere really did add something. If this was singles match in a ring, I think it would have been as flat as a fat. Really do it. Uh, the false count anywhere really did add something to it. Yeah, the crowd I think would have been quieter for it. Um, you. I, what I, I know this sounds weird in a wrestling match, but I was enjoying watching all like random spectators just running across the camera and the security trying to like get them back and stuff like that. I don't know. Put it this way, there's I don't know. There's lot plenty of Baron Corbin matches on pay per view, and even Rome, some Roman Reigns matches where they all sort of merge into one. But if you ask me in twelve months' time, do you remember that Roman Reigns Baron Corbin match from the Rumble? I'd be able to be like, oh yeah, I remember that. This happened, that happened. Whereas. If it was, like you say, if it was just a traditional singles match, it'd probably just merge into all the other matches between Roman and Corbin because yeah. it feels like they've been having matches against each other for years. It was never going to be a technical masterclass. Let's be honest, it's not going to be a, a Bret Hart against Shawn Michaels or whatever. You know, it's going to be, it was a, a, a good old slobber knocker, as JR said. It gets out in the crowd. All I thought was, like I say, I was expecting the booking. I was expecting the run-ins. I was expecting this. And I think once they got out that out of the way, I think it was just a great moment. It gave Reigns his moment to to shine. It gave him his win. And I can understand now why it came first. I was thinking they might have placed that one first ahead of the Women's Rumble because there were reports of people still stood outside queuing to get in. And I thought they might have moved this one up first so people didn't miss the Women's Rumble that would have gone first. But well, either way, it, um, I think it was nice. It was refreshing. It was a good match. And on hindsight, it did the job spot on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could see why they gave the win to Roman as well, because we assumed he might be winning the Rumble. But obviously, with him not winning the Rumble, he couldn't really afford the loss here if he is going for Bray Wyatt's title at WrestleMania. Um, next, they put um, just a nice little graphic on the screen, obviously, about Kobe Bryant tragedy that happened on Sunday. I mean, going into this show, that was all everyone was talking about. It was all that was on my mind. Um, it was just, it's obviously, it's just sad when... 
I don't know. It's, it's for the for the guys, everything to happen with his little girl and stuff like that. I mean, he was just, at that point of the pre-show, people were waiting to find out who else was on the plane and stuff like that. So this show wasn't really on the mind of people before. Um, but yeah, it was a nice little touch of thought to put the graphic. Yeah. Up. I'm not a sorry. Yeah, I'm not a basketball fan. Um, I know of Kobe Bryant. I am aware of his athletic prowess uh, and the kind of man that he was. You know, and even I'm, you know, reading Twitter and you're reading all this going into the pre-show and it just kind of, you just think, ah, there's something not right here. You know, a little girl's died. It's, you know, so, but anyway, it, it was good of them to note the occasion there and then. Um, but he's obviously a great man. He's going to be missed by many people. So it's a horrendous thing. But it's good of them to make that make that uh, announcement as such, put the graphic up during the show rather than wait for Raw. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and then that was followed by the Women's Royal Rumble match. Um, obviously, Charlotte Flair gets the win. Shayna Baszler, runner-up. Um, you got where Bianca Belair got to shine with, I think, the record for eliminations. Um, Shayna, I think, eliminated six or seven people in four minutes. Um, other notes, you had Otis saving Mandy Rose, which was a great spot. Um, Liv Morgan eliminating Lana and Lana returning and eliminating um, Liv Morgan. Tebs, you enjoy this one? You love a good rumble match. I myself I'll... wasn't the biggest fan, but I think you enjoyed this one, didn't you? I, I enjoyed it. I think, uh, again, when you look at it in hindsight against the men's rumble that came later on and the story they told there, I think the women's rumble, it, it served a purpose. I don't think it's going to go down as a classic. Um, not at all, but yeah, a, a couple of things. The Otis save had me howling, to be honest. I thought uh, they're doing some really clever things with him at the moment and getting him involved in something, and I, I enjoyed that. Um, I thought Bianca Belair was very impressive. I love that they gave her that uh, that big push to you know eliminate so many people in space of the match um, and set an NXT star out against... Um, against the more established people on the roster, so I, I enjoyed that. Um, Naomi returning. Yeah, uh, I forgot about that. Was, yeah, Naomi coming back, um, feeling the glow all over the stadium. The save, the she was stood on the commentary table for, I think it was about two entries. It must have been about three or four minutes, and then she ended up doing the sort of walk across the commentary desk, you know, the... Uh, piece of plastic that goes over the TV screens to get back in and I thought that should have had a bit more impact than it did but um, no it was good to see Naomi back good things being mixed up a bit what did you make of uh, Santina Morella? Mm, now a lot of people are saying like oh we've moved on from all that uh, I can see where they're coming from but if you do a comedy spot in the Men's Royal Rumble people aren't going to be like oh that's disrespectful so I don't think you can be like that in the women's Royal Rumble. I do think, though, it was a bit late in the... It's something that you do maybe earlier in the Rumble if you're looking for a little bit of comedy. Although I don't find stuff like that really too funny, to be honest. Um, I thought like it was a serious match. You were coming towards the end of the match. And to have, what, Santina come out was just a bit... And the weird thing was, right? I don't know if you watched back then, because I know you did have a break. Why did he come out to Rico's music? Do you remember, did you watch SmackDown in like 2002, 2003 when uh, it was all I've about read, like I've Rico? I music wrong, but no, I didn't, uh, I missed, Rico, it was like the, 
Yeah, I've seen, I've watched old Rumble. It's like a stylist or something like that. And he was like, his music was, you look so good to me. And I was like, I was like, Rico. And then I looked and like Santino walks out in drag. And I'm just thinking, well, the internet are going to have fun with this one. And I'm sure they did. Something to complain about. Vince was probably in Gorilla laughing his cock off. Oh, Vince will love that, won't he? That, that, That was purely there for Vince. I read one take on this and I don't. You know, we're not going to turn it into the Santino Morella hour, but one take I read off somebody off Twitter, and I can't remember who it was, so I can't credit them, but I'm nicking it. That the Morella spot can be seen as old WWE women's division coming in, recognizing the don't stand a chance against these athletes, against these wrestlers, no matter what gender they are, and immediately takes himself out knowing I ain't got a chance here now. Back in the old day, I could have won this. As soon as he, she, he got in the ring, straight away saw, I'm not going to win. I better get myself out of here or else I'm going to get killed. So I, I kind of like that take on it, that it was sort of WWE recognising that the old just won't win anymore. The, you know, you need to be something else to win in today's women's division. So I kind of like that, that angle of it. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, do you know what I mean? You can take a negative and turn it into a positive. So I do think that is a good way of looking at it. I mean, look, it was only three years ago, James Ellsworth won basically won the women's money in the bank. So we have progressed since then. So yeah, that is a good take. Thanks to whoever Tebs stole that one off. <laughs> um, but yeah, so as I said, I wasn't the biggest fan of this run, but I just feel like, I don't know, there was points where I was a little bit bored, found myself looking at my phone a little bit. I thought the fact that they had Chelsea Green that they've been building up on NXT TV. She's not debuted, not that I'm aware of, in a singles match or anything on TV. To have her just come out and get eliminated in 10 seconds is an afterthought. And then what? We're going to see her on NXT Wednesday night as a, th- as a serious threat to what Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, uh, saying she's a serious threat. I just thought that was a bit... Wasn't her, mate, a that. her mate, the uh, discount Tony Khan, hands around with her. He um, he's been proclaiming for weeks. Chelsea's not going to debut yet. She needs a big match. She needs a big match, and then they bring her out of the rumble, and she's gone. And I just think, yeah, you've just taken the shine off of there. Unless they're going to book her as, you know, the current uh, the consistent loser, the the person who always gets you know rolled up or whatever. They're going to both book her like that fine. But if they're trying to book her as somebody who will only come in for that big match, then they've just they've cocked that one up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what, what do you think about Charlotte? Did we? Did anyone predict Charlotte winning? I think I feel like you might have done. Or did you I go with Baszler? I went with everybody winning. I just said they're all going to win. I, I just I went with Baszler originally. I said Flair or Baszler, but I was I was wanting Baszler. I thought it was going to be Baszler. Got close. Um, Flair winning. Yeah, it's a, I've got it in my notes here. Safe bet. It's a safe pair of hands. Um, you know, it, she's got the, the pedigree, which, you know, take from that whatever you want. Um, you know, seven time, seven time champ, eight time champ, probably about 15 by now. But, you know, she's won the Rumble. She's going to WrestleMania. She's going to have a choice of matches. Fair play. You know what I mean? She's, she is obviously good at what she does. Um, it, it, it'd be nice for somebody else to get the rub every now and then. They've had three women's Rumbles. And so far, we've had Lynch and Oscar win them. So, you know, you can hardly say that they've constantly pushed somebody we haven't wanted. Because I remember when Oscar first won that Women's Rumble three, two, three years ago, then everyone went absolutely nuts because nobody expected her to win. Um, Becky Lynch came back. Everyone wanted Becky Lynch 
to be in Mania. She, they gave us what we wanted. So, you know what, if they're going to push Flair um, and they're going to give her that run, then, you know, fair, fair play, fine by me. Yeah, I, I feel like I remember saying on the preview show that um, they might just go with Charlotte Flair to just get it in on a list of accolades. You know, like they can call a 10-time champion, former Royal Rumble winner, if they didn't really want Baszler to win it. I mean, then people sometimes hear people say, oh, it's a bad choice for a Rumble winner. But really, the winner of the Royal Rumble is not who they're choosing to win the Royal Rumble. I know that sounds ridiculous, but the winner of the Royal Rumble is one of the two people who are challenging for the belts at WrestleMania. So if they have two people that they've decided to tr- to challenge for the Raw, one for the SmackDown title, they're just going to assess between those two who is better to win the Royal Rumble match. And I mean, that brings us to the rumours that are coming out after the show, which is the only good thing about doing the podcast so late, is today reports flying everywhere. Dave Meltzer's reported it. Uh, Fightful.com have reported it. I've stole it and reported it on our Twitter um, and that is that, believe it or not, Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania will not be challenging Becky Lynch, will not be challenging Bailey, but instead she will be facing the NXT Women's Champion, Rhea Ripley. And Rhea Ripley is extremely over. It makes sense why they've like sort of gone the heel route with Charlotte. I do think for Rhea Ripley to face Charlotte at WrestleMania is a fresh match, which is what this main roster women's division badly needs everything's just been with the four horsewomen obviously we've had a few ronda rousey matches thrown in there in the last year well the year before but it is a fresh matchup my question is what do they do do they put the belt on bianca at the next takeover and somehow get to Rhea versus charlotte that way or do they go in with Rhea ripley and have her defend the nxt women's championship at wrestlemania tebs what what are you thinking for this? Are you excited for this match? Is this a match you want to see at WrestleMania? Um, or would you prefer to see Charlotte face Becky or Bailey? I'd prefer um, Flair Ripley rather than uh, Flair Bailey or Horsewomen or whatever. Looks like Banks is out for, for a while again now. But um, yeah, if you're going to put Flair in a match and it sounds like she may have had a choice put to put her up against Ripley, he or Flair against over Ripley, yeah, I think that's actually a, a damn good shout. Um, judge, you know, from what you've just said there, you've just got me, me grey matter whirling, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if they put the belt on Belair and if Flair even costs her it, costs her the belt at takeover Portland, is it, in a couple of weeks? Yeah. Um, it, it really wouldn't surprise me if Flair actually, for some reason, gets involved and costs her that title to set up that match. Um I, I like that angle. I like that they're doing something different. I can't see Flair winning the NXT Women's Championship unless you're going to move her back to NXT, which isn't going to happen. Um, so I think we've just got to wait for it to play out. I've heard lots of things come from various wrestling papers and websites over the years. Maybe it's not going to work out like that. Maybe it is. We don't know. The fun is finding out. Speaking of accolades, if she won the NXT Championship at WrestleMania... I might be wrong here, but would she then be able to say that she had, at WrestleMania, won the Raw women's title, the SmackDown women's title, and the NXT women's title? I'm trying to think, she's definitely won... She won that triple threat match, didn't she, with Becky Lynch and... Was it Becky Lynch and Sasha at WrestleMania 32? That triple threat match? Pretty sure she won that, didn't she? Yep, she definitely... She definitely yeah, she did. 
It should be Oscar. It should be Oscar for SmackDown. Was it SmackDown title? Should be yeah. Yeah, but they're they're all the same, aren't they? But I'm sure I'm sure WWE they'll just claim it anyway, won't they? But um, it would it would be a thing to add to a list of accolades. Um, so yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they did have even Charlotte win and then maybe drop it. I, I, I don't know. I, I do think Rhea Ripley's that over at the moment. She's going to have this run with the belt, and then with NXT, I think once you have your big run with the belt, you need to be on the main roster because you can't. Obviously, I know like, the likes of Johnny Gargano have stayed and carried on, but to me, there's just the risk of getting stale. As soon as you have your run with the belt, I think it's time to get on the main roster. We saw it with Drew McIntyre, look where he is now. We saw it with Andrade. Um, after he had his run with the belt, he lost to Alistair Black, and then boom, he was on Raw what, a couple of months later. Um, and look at look at the NXT Women's Championship. I'm, I know I'm not allowed to call it that anymore, but... You've got Baszler that has, she's, I think, the only um, female champion to have two reigns with the NXT belt. Nobody else has had two reigns. Um, she beat, you know, lost to Kyrie Sane and then won it back again. And for her to, I think there was a lot, of, a lot of times when everybody were going into a takeover saying, it's time for Baszler to lose it, it's time for her to lose it, it's time for her to lose it. And she's gone through that. She's gone through that almost getting stale. Um, and she's come out of it looking like an absolute monster. Um, see, one thing for me is with Baszler and Flair, you said there it's you know, giving Flair that accolade, so she's got it on her resume. Baszler's 39 years old. Flair's 33. And Baszler's still in, de- technically, still in development. And I just think if they were, when are they going to do it? If they're going to do it for Baszler, it's felt like that was the moment. But yeah. Uh, the- there's people better than us know uh, who are richer than us that do this stuff. So they they need um, to just do it, Tebs. It's that's the women's division. I'm sick of Becky and I, I like Becky. I like Charlotte. I really like Sasha Bailey. I can give a take, but out of those four, I feel like every time I've been to WrestleMania, the title matches have all involved them. And I feel like you're sort of running out of options. Like people are saying, oh, it might be Becky v Charlotte. We've seen that on countless occasions. So for this WrestleMania, get Rhea Ripley in there going over Charlotte. Get Shayna Baszler going over Becky Lynch, because that's the reported match for Becky Lynch. So I'll get them two, and you've got Shayna, Rhea Ripley up there. And instead of it just being about four women constantly, you can have Shayna and Rhea in there. So it's about six women, because for whatever reason, they don't seem to really go all the way with Oscar. So go all the way with Rhea, go all the way with Shayna, and we can get something different in the women's division at WrestleMania. So it does leave room for that uh, Banks Bailey match as well. Yeah, it does, Dunnix. We were saying on the last show. So was it the last show when we were saying what does it really need a belt that match where you could that be three really good women's matches, wouldn't it, for Mania? Lynch, Baszler, Bailey against Sasha, and obviously Rhea against Charlotte. I'd be happy with those three. Um, I tell you what, Tebs. I guarantee that you one thing, those three matches would be better than what we saw next on this show because that Lacey Evans versus Bailey match, at this point, I'm not going to lie, picked up my phone and I messaged Neil saying, do you know what, I think you might be right about WWE. I'm bored. And I was badly bored during this match to the point where... Messaging, yeah, it, it's that killer spot. There always seems to be these matches that come out of a, an absolute barnstorm that come out of a you know, women's rumble, a men's rumble, or a 20-minute, a, a um, you know, title match or whatever. 
and somebody's got to follow it. And it, it, Bailey Evans followed it. Um, it. I think they were just sent out to to do ten minutes of get the match done with, and let's move on to the to the juices stuff. To be honest, and it had probably more build than Lynch Oscar. I know a lot of Lynch Oscar's the the long game, but Bailey and Evans has been everybody in your face on SmackDown Friday night. Everything with Lacey's daughter, with uh, Bailey and Banks. It's had a lot of you know quick build up over these last few weeks. Um, and I, I think they just showed that I think deep down I think we know Evans wasn't quite ready to go up to the main roster Bailey as a heel is um, just not working for me um, I don't know how you feel how do you feel do you prefer Bailey as a as a face or do you prefer uh, with the uh, the mopey look on her face all the time she was getting stale as a face but she was still better than she is as a heel she comes out to that I don't know, that nothing theme music. She looks like she's about 45 years old with this haircut. She looks like she should be in Pop World on a Saturday night. Um, she, ugh, she's, no, not for me, not for me. And you're right, it was too soon for Lacey Evans. But the thing is, Tebs, like you said, this match had so much build. You had backstage brawls every week on SmackDown. You had the daughter involved. I, I, I'm thinking, yeah, this match could be good because they've got the build going into it that they can play off. And it was just, it was lacklustre. I mean, I put on Twitter, only in WWE would you have a feud based around someone bullying a Marine's daughter. And then you'd expect at the pay-per-view, the Marine gets her revenge on the bully. No, the bully beats down the Marine and goes over and moves on. So that's just typical Vince McMahon stuff. Was it just a quick roll-up as well? Did she get it with, she didn't, I know she hit the elbow on her at one point and didn't get that. I can't even remember how it finished. Was it? It was a. It was a roll up, and she was grabbing the tights. No, I'd, I'd, I'd given up by this point. I think I was sat yeah. there thinking, do I really need to be watching this at quarters to three in the morning? But you know, what? if it needed anything, it needed um, extreme rules, hardcore kendo stick. I've barely picked that kendo stick up and actually go. You know what? I'm going to use it this time and start smashing Evans. If you wanted to be a heel, you wanted to be nasty, give us some weapons. And this, if any, any of the matches on this card deserved weapons, it was that one. Because they were, they were tearing chunks out of each other each Friday night. Yeah, um, I mean, if someone's saying something about my daughter, I'm not going to, like, try and put a hold on him. Do you know what I mean? You're going to go for the kendo stick, aren't you? You're going to go for the steel chair. You're not going to sit there and, like, I don't know, put her in a chin lock. Well, yeah. well, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Evans moving forward. But I think um, I don't know how long Banks is out for. But I think that needs Banks coming back and doing something different with that and setting up WrestleMania. Move move Evans on to somewhere else, keep her busy for a while, and try and get some some heat, some heat, some genuine heat, not go away heat. Get some genuine heat for Bailey. Um, have her somebody we can get behind here rather than whatever she is at the minute. Yeah, and then following that, we had Daniel Bryan versus The Fiend for the Universal title. Big story coming out of this. No red light, which is a relief to everyone. Um, the, ma- the match was good. It was probably the best sort of strap match you're going to be able to see. Daniel Bryan proves he's one of the best wrestlers in the world by dragging this bum to the second best match of his career. I, I'm not a fan of Bray Wyatt. I'm a fan of Bray Wyatt, but the Fiend gimmick 
has not been known to be able to provide us with good wrestling matches. But I enjoyed this. It was good. It helped the fact that there was no red light. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think if Bray Wyatt wants good matches every pay-per-view, he just needs Daniel Bryan by his side. Um, but The Fiend retains the title. He'll move on from Daniel Bryan now and presumably face Roman Reigns for that belt in Tampa. Teb, you enjoy this one? Nope. No? <laughs> it must just be me then. I've got two notes here. No red light, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. I thought that's the, probably the best thing to come out of this. Um, I get, I love the gimmick. I love the Fiend gimmick. I think there's a lot of... I think, no, I do. Hey, <laughs> I, I like the, the happy, sinister, come sinister uh, children's TV character for Bray. I love the fiend. I love the visual. I love the coming out of nowhere. I think WWE's missed that supernatural presence for a long time. I love the heel and hurt thing. I think it's fantastic that everybody has come across is changing their personality. And I think they should have run with that. They should have kept him the hell away from Rollins and all last year. And they should have just had him changing heels to faces, faces to heels, having people be affected by taking on this fiend. I've, the other note I've got is. I like the gimmick. I just don't enjoy his matches. Yeah, that's the main problem, isn't it? I haven't enjoyed a Fiend match yet. Yeah. You watch it, and it's kind of like a car enthusiast watching a Model T4 just plunder along. He gets out a mallet, and then he stops for a bit, and then he gets up. And yeah, Brian was probably the thing that saved that for me from being an absolute turn it off go for the fact 17 i'm looking at wikipedia 17 minutes for a match which you know i can't remember much from it bit of a you know lap hitting each other with strap and a bit of choking with the label lock i just i just don't like the fiends matches i love the gimmick i just can't i can't get into his matches at all yeah i mean i think that's the problem i've always been a big fan of bray Wyatt. i mean he's not the best in the ring i loved his match at wrestlemania 30 with john cena the whole build-up to that I loved loved it um, when he brought all those kids out singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. Um, I thought it was really good. And then my problem, right? So the theme gimmick, no matter what anyone says, it's only theme music. In WWE, theme music is a big part of the game. Look at Minoru Suzuki in New Japan. He's, his theme music is a big part of his act. Um, obviously, Suzuki's great and can't be compared to Bray Wyatt. But his theme music is great. I'm excited to see his entrance at WrestleMania. I like the mask, but it's 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 the I associate the gimmick with the whole no selling of spots and the eight curb stomps and the screech. And one thing I don't like, I was enjoying the gimmick that um, Tebs as it was going on, and then the whole you know the screechy music that comes on when he attacks. It's too. Yeah. Uh, it's not. I don't. That that puts me off. It's too Romanian horror film for me. It's not. I don't know. But you know, there's a lights. I love that you know he wins his title, lights go out, he's disappeared. Where's he gonna come from next? Again, I remember being sat with uh, you and Neil and G at Raw after Mania, and we're watching this video, and it's Mercy the Buzzard. We didn't know at the time it's some some puppet of a buzzard coming out of a box, and you're like, what the hell's going on here? And everyone thought it was crazy until you started seeing Bray turn up in this new this new persona, as it were. 
I, I love it. I just I think it's very clever. I think there's a lot of layers to it. Like I said, you've got the the yin and yang. You've got the fiend and the happy go lucky. Personally, at the minute, I don't know whether they're saying the two separate people or the one in the same. But the only thing that keeps letting this gimmick down are the matches. You look at last year's match. You know, you. I, I don't know anybody that's looked at a, that's come away from a pay per view and said the fiend has had the best match on on that pay per view. I, I, I just and it should be, you know you think back to Undertaker matches you think back to Kane you know yet again like you said they're not the best wrestlers in the world but that aura that they bring takes the match to another level and I think without Daniel Bryan in that like I say if you'd put Seth Rollins in that match like it was at Hell in the Cell and like it was in Saudi you end up with a lot of people shitting from a great height on it and um, so yeah the only thing that saved that for me was Daniel Bryan. Yep, and the question is, will Roman Reigns have what it takes to save it at WrestleMania? I'm actually looking forward to that match. I've always wanted like a big Roman versus Bray feud, if I'm honest. They had a, nobody seems to remember this, but about three years ago on Raw in April, right? It was about April time, March time. I can't remember when. And then um, they had Roman, obviously babyface, and Bray was babyface for one match under the Bray Wyatt gimmick. And they were a tag team. And they had really good chemistry together. And I think Bray Wyatt got injured during that match. And that was going to be the start of his babyface turn. And ever since then, I've thought, do you know what I mean? I would like them to have a big feud. I mean, I th- I'm sure they did have a feud when it was the whole anyone but you Roman stuff. Um, but obviously, you've got the whole Fiend gimmick now, which gives us something a little bit different. Although I'm not the biggest fan of it. So... I am. Um, I think it's the best match, maybe not match quality wise, but it is probably the best match, fresh match at least that you can do on on the SmackDown side of things. So I'm excited to see the entrance at WrestleMania. I'm excited to wind everyone up around me by cheering for Roman Reigns. Um, so only only thing I'm thinking now is I know it's going to be Roman. It's, it's going to be Roman, but we've got Elimination Chamber still to come. Yeah, we do, don't we? I mean, I think he'll they'll probably do like a number one contenders thing with that, maybe. End with Roman and Brian against each other or something, have Roman go over. Um, but it was like they was trying to get him booed in the men's Royal Rumble. Do you know what I mean? Having him eliminate Edge. <laughs> that's that's yeah. a way to get Roman booed, which we will get into next. So, yeah, obviously, yeah. Bray Wyatt retains the title and moves on from Daniel Bryan. And then we get the male Royal Rumble match. Um, no, we don't. Daniel's son. Oh, you're gonna, you're gonna. No, I don't even want to talk about. It. Do we have to? Do we need to talk about the uh, the man? I'm afraid we do. I don't have any comment about. It. I'll leave you to this. I really, at this point, I was just. I thought, I thought before the match, Becky keeps falling to the mist. She's going to avoid it somehow and win. And in the match, it went on for a bit. And Becky avoided the mist, and then she would. Okay, next. Yeah, I have nothing to say. I'm going to be honest, I completely forgot about that match. That's how... Uh, that just sums it up. That's what all the comments need to say, it? I yeah. do not have any notes on anything for the for the time being on the next two matches. I have no notes, and I completely forgot about this match. That's how irrelevant this match was. The work in the match was fine. Um, I did like the bit where Becky Lynch, like, sort of... Do you know what I mean? It made out like she was injured. She stopped the ref from calling the bell. Um, but apart from that, nobody, nobody in that building thought Oscar had a chance of winning. Nobody 
So it was a foregone conclusion Becky would win. And coming this late in a show, after you've watched two hours on the pre-show, two and a half hours of the show overall, this was when, this match, I literally got my laptop, unplugged it out of the TV, and I went upstairs and laid in bed and watched the main, the main, male's Raw Rumble. Because I thought, if I sit here through this, I'm going to fall asleep. Um, but yeah, I was so- about... I was about half a bottle of Bacardi into it by this time, and my notes have just gone. Because I was, you know, I wanted to make notes. I knew we were going to be talking about this, and I've got Women's Rumble, Mighty Molly, who's that? Naomi, safe? Nah. Got some insight there. And then I get to uh, Becky Oscar. It's going to go on, isn't it? <laughs> that's all I've just typed there. It's going to go on. <laughs> so if they bring her in, that's fine, you know. I'm, 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 yeah, move on. It's, it's, it is yeah. what it is. It was and just you saying that about the woman who is, or the man who is your top star. Why, why are you two fans? You know, you're not, you're not the biggest WWE fan. I love WWE, but why are we sat here talking about the Raw Women's Champion in a match against Oscar? And we've just gone there. It's just an afterthought. Yeah. In a year-long build on and off, and I loved the first match at the Royal Rumble that opened the show last year. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. But, you know what, I'd prefer it to be an afterthought to it being shit. I don't know, I like stuff that's shit, you can complain about it. When it's just meh, you forget about it. These are the two, I think these are the two top women on Raw at the minute. Um, Bar Flair, obviously. Um, but if you have a match with them two and it was to be crap, then I think they're in trouble. But no, nah, look, yeah, I think we've just spent about five and a half minutes talking longer than we should have about it. So it is what it is. Yeah, sorry to any Becky Lynch fans. I always feel like I'm getting attacked by like diehard Becky fans on Twitter. So if you're listening to this, it was a pretty average match. Anyway, moving on. Male Royal Rumble. I am going to start, Tebs, by saying I thought this was the best males, ro- male men's Royal Rumble in years. I'm not a fan of the Royal Rumble match, if I'm honest. I, I don't mind it. I'm more excited about the last 10 minutes of it. I'm not into most of it. I never really rewatch them. But this, I thought, was brilliant. I loved how it was sort of split into three parts. You had the Brock Lesnar part where he just destroyed everyone. He's got gifts that will last for years coming out of that. His reaction, I just think, is genius to offer this. Um, There is a few guys that he destroyed. But all that was there to do was to get Drew McIntyre over Get this man over. And that's exactly what they did. Vince McMahon, I don't like you, but you... Well, you probably didn't book this. But even if you did, you did a great job. And the second half was sort of like... Do you know what I mean? It was your typical WWE good hands in there. You had the great return of Edge. And then the the third and final part of the match, literally, what was great about it was you didn't know who was going to win. You might have had your thoughts. Maybe it'll be Drew. But I was thinking, well, Drew sort of had his... Do you know what I mean? Had his, like, yeah. star-making elimination, so does he need to win? They went all the way. Drew McIntyre won the Royal Rumble. You had Edge returning. You had... I was delighted I didn't have to watch another Kofi Kingston. Ooh, how's he going to escape elimination this year spot? Um, I thought that was great. And it was just sort of like Brock Lesnar's ruining all the fans' Royal Rumble. They hated it. They'd all flown there for this Royal Rumble match, and Brock Lesnar was ruining it for them. And then Drew McIntyre, knight in shining armor, saves the match from made a star. That's what the Royal Rumble's there to do. Tebs, you enjoy yeah. it? You know what? At the time, I was one of those marks saying, oh, I've stayed up to watch Brock Lesnar throw 16, 15 people, whatever, over the rope and 
fuck this. And you know what? Excuse my French. By the end of it, and looking back at the match, yeah, absolutely loved it. I think it was one of the best Rumble top three, definitely. 92 for me is still up there. Um, the one at MSG in 2000, I thought it was brilliant. But in terms of quality, in terms of surprises, we mentioned on the pre-show about stories and how various other stories. And when they said that uh, Lashley and uh, Rusev were, were not had withdrawn or they'd been fighting in the car park, well, I just thought, well, it's going to leave it pretty thin there in terms of action, but I, I can see why they've done it now. And you've got Brock coming in at number one. He went out, I think, 14th. Drew won, he was from 16th. And to really from, basically from halfway onwards, you have this sprint and you've suddenly got a, a Royal Rumble, 90 second intervals, 15 entrance, and it was a sprint to the finish. And, and I, I love that that uh, contrast between the dominating um, mega heel at the beginning and then right at the end. Because I said, again, I said on the pre-show, I don't know whether Drew, I thought whoever eliminated Brock wouldn't win. So when Drew eliminated Brock, I thought, there we go, it's uh, Reigns winning. Reigns has won. Time to turn off. And I start losing interest then. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, too much to talk about, to be honest. Of, uh, what, you, yeah. what was your initial reaction when Edge appeared? I'm not going to lie. I was literally, I was knelt upon my bed. It literally sounded like I was having an orgasm or something. I was recording it on there. Uh, on my phone, because I think I was going to send it. I can't think who I was going to send it to. And you can just hear me after about four seconds going, oh! <laughs> but, yeah, it, it was a great you moment, know, Edge returning. I thought they did. They missed the spear, didn't they? Whoever was whoever oh, cut that oh. camera, Kevin Dunn, you prick. You missed, if it were Kevin Dunn, missed the spear on Dolph Ziggler. But the Edge, the face on Edge, I won't ever forget. He's the look when he walked out. Just brilliant. Um, the production and in terms of camera work took the shine off of it for me. And I'm not being one of those miserable bastards that looks down. Fantastic comeback, brilliant. I remember edging those, you know, TLC matches with Christian. I remember when I sat watching him in the brood, you know, fantastic. And to see him come back and see a guy that loves doing what he does come back. And I've seen the, you know, the retirement bits and the, the old matches and stuff. And you can tell this is a guy that wants to be back doing this. And for them to, I mean, for me, the money shot was him coming out the smoke and the, the cut in the advert, the cutting the cap, excuse me, the cutting the camera where you're seeing him dash around to the crowd, then he's back to the crowd and then it's the smoke and he comes out and you're like, okay, you've already shown him, but still. And then the miss, the spear on Ziggler and you just think, just leave the camera on him. Just, you've got a Hall of Famer going into a Royal Rumble, hot as anything. Just leave the camera on him. And I just think some people just... If it's not broke, don't fix it. Why are you jumping from crowd to crowd? They're trying to get that gift. They're trying to get the, you know, the the guy who was in that uh, meme where the Undertaker's just lost and sat there wide-eyed or the young girl angry at Miz. They keep trying to find one of those. And it's like, no, your history has been made in the ring. Stop trying to make everything into a gift. Stop trying to turn everything into a YouTube clip and just show us the guy coming back and doing what he does. Um but no, yeah, you know, it's a fantastic moment. Um, what do you reckon to the two NXT guys? There were two NXT entrances. We've got Keith Lee and we've got Matt Riddle. 
Do you really want me to get into this? <laughs> right, I thought the Keith Lee stuff, I'm going to be honest, didn't quite get him over as much as Survivor Series. But for me, which is what I'm hoping, when Keith Lee goes out there and stands toe-to-toe with Brock Lesnar, for me, it just made a great picture. I thought, I've sat and watched this guy wrestle in front of a thousand people and thought, why do people at WWE, New Japan, not getting this guy in? So to see him like toe-to-toe with Lesnar at like a 40000 seat stadium... I was like, great moment, great. Even G remembers Keithley. He remember. I messaged him. I said, do you remember that guy who came out um, at the uh, Progress show we were at? And he remembers him. Um, yeah. And if G remembers him, it must be noteworthy. But I just thought the reaction that he got, I was hoping that it might make Vince, whoever's backstage, think, this guy is getting a hero's reaction, a monster reaction in front of a stadium five, six hours into a show. We need to get this guy in and push him. Although I, th- I would have liked him to, well, in, in my dream scenario, I think I heard you mention it, I'd have Keith Lee eliminate Brock Lesnar. But that was never really going to happen. And then on to Matt Riddle. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You've got Matt Riddle. He could be the biggest star in the company. He's got more charisma than half of these guys on the roster put together. And you bring him out there. I mean, I'm sat here thinking I want Riddle Goldberg at WrestleMania. What a fool I was thinking I was going to get that match. I mean, Baron Corbin. You had Baron Corbin eliminate Matt Riddle purely, purely to troll your fans. That is the only reason. If people say, oh, they wanted to get heat on Baron Corbin, you could have had him have 10 minutes in there and then Baron Corbin be the one who eliminates. Say if Matt Riddle's running wild for 10 minutes... And then Baron Corbin eliminates him. He's going to get more heat than if it's just, oh, he's in there. He hits a knee on edge. Oh, he's been eliminated. It's just Matt Riddle. I'm start. I'm, I might be pessimistic with this. Vince is was never going to get him. Get yourself out of there. Get yourself to AEW. Get yourself back to a Volk nightclub in Preston. Anywhere is better than in a company run by Vince McMahon because I just don't. He's going to be like, he's got no shoes. Damn it! Where's his shoes? Do you know what I mean? I just don't think Vince McMahon... Nah. I love Matt Riddle. I love Matt Riddle. Why could he not have just waited for a year, gone to AEW where he... W- if Matt Riddle is in AEW, he's in the main event scene. Instead, he's in a tag team on NXT. He's still not won a belt in NXT. He's been there for, what, 18 months? Something like that? Criminal. Criminal. Criminal, criminal well, tabs. Um, I think... Again, I've got here the whole Brock Lesnar story up to his elimination. You've got, you want to call them jobbers, but they're not. The John Morrison, Rowan, Elias. Yeah, okay, the jobbers. But, you know, uh, for me, even that told sort of three stories there. you got, um, I'll come on to this in a minute, but I think it, it did more to protect Lee and Braun than it did to push them. And you want to say, yeah, yeah, they didn't, you didn't, it didn't give him that big of a push. He eliminated him after, he still got three and a half minutes. He was just, Keith Lee took second longest amount of time in the ring against, um, good old Wikipedia. Kofi Kingston got about five minutes against uh, Brock. Keith Lee got three and a half. So he was the second longest uh, against Brock who put the fight. But I think it protected him because of the way he eliminated him. Um, I think it gave Kofi that great moment to be able to go toe to toe with. Lesnar, um, and get a bit of uh, um, 
payback almost for the way he lost the title. I think that gave him the opportunity. I mean, that sequence where um, Biggie's picked Lesnar up into the the power slam, and then one of them's on his knees, and Mysterio jumps up to Lesnar. Lesnar throws Mysterio over the ropes, and then Lesnar takes off off the back of Big E into Kofi. Absolutely fantastic spot, and I think he did the job. He absolutely did a job for Kofi, giving him his moment to to try and, like I say, go toe-to-toe with Lesnar. Um, it protected Lee and Strowman while still making them, Lee especially, look an absolute monster. I think it's put Ricochet in contention. I think that I think Ricochet might keep Drew busy by him saying, you wouldn't have done it without me. And I got a bit of stick on Twitter for suggesting that there's still, you know, while Drew eliminated Lesnar, they still protected him by having, by going over with a low blow first. I agree with you there. Ricochet had to give him the low blow to give Drew. And that's always what's... And somebody said, oh, well, they're never going to... They're always going to protect Lesnar. It's like, well, that's fine. But you, while ever Drew stands there and says, I eliminated him, I think they've always got that, that fallback for Ricochet to say, you wouldn't have done it without me. So I'd like to think that might keep that bub- bubbling over. Um, but yeah, and then the second half, Riddle, <coughs> excuse me, Riddle, um, you know what, coming from the stories, and I don't know if these are true or not, but there's the story of the backstage confrontation, if you want to call it that, between Lesnar and Riddle, and Lesnar saying, you can talk about me as much as you want, you're never going to work with me. And if that's true... I wouldn't be surprised if Riddle being treated how he did in the Rumble was the top brass's way of saying, know your place. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought, Tabs. I think it probably is true, looking at the people who've reported it. Alex McCarthy, is it? It always seems to get all the the scoops from WWE. Ryan Satin, obviously in WWE's back pocket. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's true. 41 seconds, he, you know, just looking here, lasted as long as Robert Roode did against Lesnar, and I, I'm, I'm just wondering if that's that's either Vince or someone, and if that's right, if Lesnar does have a problem with Riddle, you know, they've gone to they've gone to Vince and said, you know, make sure you put him in his place, and Riddle's had to do that job, um, you know, basically saying you can chat as much as you want, but we'll give you your match when we think you're ready, you don't book your own matches and, and I think that might have been him getting his wings clipped a bit fucking Millwall have gone 1-0 up sorry excuse me everyone um, but yeah oh. story, story of the night coming out of that is Edge definitely Millwall gone 1-0 up flipping out they're, you keep Tebs right I'm not even speaking to you now you could have done us a favour there they're a point behind us <laughs> it's only four minutes in oh. <laughs> Not that I don't have my 100% attention on our conversation. Yeah, I bet Neil, to be honest, we had flash score open. I bet Neil, but Neil's fuming now. I can hear Um, his laptop being thrown through the window. And and then the other story that I said were coming out of it, um, Owens, Rollins, Joe, what do you you think of that moment? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this, right, so... Sometimes at WrestleMania, I feel like they throw matches together. Do you know what I mean? Like, and for me, like, although like you could throw together a Kevin Owens Samoa Joe match, you could throw together a Seth Rollins Kevin Owens match. To me, they've built a really good story with Rollins AOP and Buddy Murphy against what Kevin Owens Samoa Joe. Do you know what I mean? Just I'd have these. Just have them have like 
a crazy six man or a crazy eight man at WrestleMania. You don't need, I'd sooner have a match at WrestleMania that has weeks and months of build, legitimate build going into it instead of, oh, that's two good names who can get a big match on the WrestleMania card. So I, I like the build for this. I think it's been good. It's been good to get Seth Rollins out of the title picture. Kevin Owens and Smojo always feel like they're not quite there in like the main event scene. They're always a good hand to shove into a title match if you've not got much planned for a battleground or something like that ilk. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd be happy to see. I like, I like the way that feud's going. Um, Seth yeah, Rollins I mean, just looked like a dick in this match, which is great. He's a heel. Which is what he's supposed to do as the, uh, you know, he's a heel. He's, he's the chosen one. I mean, looking, Owens and Joe and Viking Raiders, probably Alistair Black, because um, he was eliminated by Rollins as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if Black maybe joins with Owens and Joe um, against the Inner Circle. I mean, sorry, against Rollins and uh, um, AOP and, and Buddy Murphy. Like I said, Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins is just missing one silent former Jake Hager lookalike, and he's got an Inner Circle there. But anyway, um, but yeah, I think that's a, that's a title. That's a match. Excuse me, that's a match for WrestleMania. That'll probably, like I say, a six-man tag. Um, and and there's, there's a good combo you can have there over the next few months as well. You can have Owens against Rollins. You can have Joe against Murphy, vice versa. Rather than that continuous every Monday night, every Friday night, you get Corbin Reigns, Usos, Rude Ziegler. You know, there's a lot of good talent there that haven't had a lot of matches together over the last year or two. Um, and you can really sort of mix them up. Um, so I, I like what they did there. I like that, and I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad Rollins didn't win. Yeah. Yep. So the match ends with um, Roman eliminating Edge. We're down to the last two, which is um, Roman Drew McIntyre. People are starting to worry. It was great booking of that because I thought I thought you've you putting all the heat on Roman because he's eliminated Edge. So people are fuming about that. Then you've got people thinking, "Oh my God, Roman's gonna win. He's gonna win." And then that means everyone. I was thinking when it was that last three, I thought, how are they going to get it for people to cheer Drew McIntyre to win? How are they going to get that to happen when you've got Edge in there? They need to get Edge out. And the way that they booked it made it so that Drew McIntyre was going to get a hero's reaction for kicking Roman Reigns out of the Royal Rumble. So I applaud WWE for that. I thought it was greatly booked. Um, one question I want to ask you, Tebs. We know Danny is not here. Danny is not the biggest fan of the Drew McIntyre Brock Lesnar match. I just want to get your thoughts on this. Is this a worthy main event of WrestleMania for you? Yes. Yes, I think it is. I think McIntyre's done very, very well and he's been booked well over the past, how long has he been back now? About 18 months again. Um, it was the muscle for Ziegler at first and then he's gone out on his own. Um, I think there's been a lot of near misses where they could have given him that match or whatever, and they've always chosen to go with, uh, I think even once they had, was it Kane, Strowman and Lesnar against each other, something like that, instead of going with McIntyre. But I think now's the time. The crowd got behind him. I think they've just they've just pushed the button at the right time. Um, he's just sort of started going to face the whole 3-2-1 Claymore thing. Fans behind that, they love that. Um, Lesnar showed what he can do. Um that image of McIntyre stood over Lesnar while Lesnar were laid out for about two and a half minutes, uh, just fantastic. And I think, you know, it's it's a cracking match. You say a main event, I don't know. Will it go on last? Is that what a main event is anymore? I don't know. Um, but as, a, as you know, your showpiece, I know if I could go, I would definitely be buying a ticket now. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think it'll be your, what, four-star match, because I think Brock Lesnar does have better matches against, say, smaller opponents, but Drew McIntyre is a good worker, Lesnar, I think Lesnar's great, um, but for me, WrestleMania should all be about getting over the next star, I mean, Drew McIntyre's only 33, only 34 years old, around that age, so you have WrestleMania end with Drew McIntyre, 3-2-1, Claymore, WrestleMania ends with Drew McIntyre, first ever British champion, is that right? I'm sure I read something like that. End WrestleMania yeah, with if, that. It'd be first WWE champion, has been his first British um, Royal Rumble winner. Right, so you can, do you know I mean? you can end WrestleMania by making a new star. I'm a bit worried. I, I don't know if I trust WWE to keep him as hot as he currently is over the next two and a half months. So by the time WrestleMania comes around, I would... I'm going to be pessimistic here. I would not be the least bit surprised if they somehow managed to get it so the crowd aren't really caring as much about Drew McIntyre as they should be and the match falls flat at WrestleMania. I'm not saying it will, but it wouldn't surprise me. I've seen that before with the likes of you. Seth Rollins was hot when he won the Royal Rumble last year, but by the time WrestleMania came around, nobody really cared about that match to the point where it opened the show. Um, but hopefully... They do a good job with Drew McIntyre. I mean, the signs were already there last night. Brock Lesnar left him lying on Raw, which I was a bit like, mm, I'd prefer it if they booked it. Instead of having Drew McIntyre, just like another guy that Brock Lesnar can F5, they should have had him go out there, get ready to F5 Drew, and Drew fight him off, and Brock Lesnar retreat with a shocked look on his face, like, oh, this guy yeah. isn't like all the other guys that I've beat. And gradually do it like that. And instead, they went out there. They blew the load in the first segment of Raw. And already, 15 minutes into the show, we've got Drew laying on his back, looking up at Brock Lesnar. So I wasn't a fan of that. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, they're going to try the best, are they? Which is, kind of worries me as well. But, um, yeah. So overall, overall, I, I really did enjoy the Royal Rumble show. The main event was excellent. I enjoyed Roman Corbin. I enjoyed Brian against um, The Fiend. I enjoyed my crunchies. I enjoyed my coffees and my brews. So, yeah, it was a fun show. Tebs, you enjoyed the show, didn't you? So, that's that. Yeah, we'll be I, staying up for... Oh, we won't even need to stay up for Saudi Mania. My Saudi's at uh, decent o'clock. Yeah, it's, Thursday uh, afternoon. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be watching that one. God help me. Um, I'm trying to think. It just won't... One quick one for you. Um, two rumbles in one event. Discuss. I've heard a lot of talk about this. I'm going to be honest, Tebs. It doesn't bother me. I it, no? I think if it's spaced apart and if it's interesting, it's fine. I mean, it's not ideal. But it, for me, I think the more the problem is you could cut out some of the other matches. So maybe just have... Just have no title matches on the show. Have two Royal Rumble matches and then two like Blood Feud matches on the show or something. I'm not sure if you really need say two women's title matches on the show. Um so I think if you had a Royal Rumble, women's Royal Rumble open the show, or the men's Royal Rumble open the show, gotta be politically correct these days. Um and then maybe, I don't know, you have like you have the Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan match, then you go into I don't know, maybe one of the women's matches. And then you've got the men's Royal Rumble and it's condensed into a three-hour show, three-and-a-half-hour show, which they're never going to do, so it's a pointless discussion in me saying that they could make the well, show but, shorter. But 
you know, I, the one I took away from from it, and, that, and that's why I'm asking about it because we both said, and we were, we were WhatsApping at the time that as soon as that women's rumble were done, it was a bit of an anticlimax. It was like, oh, who's going to win? Could it be Oh, no, it's Flair. And then that match afterwards was kind of oh, a bit deflated and a bit of a come down. You, you're trying to build yourself up for the next one. And I just think the whole evening should lead up to that Rumble event. And I was looking, I'm just looking now, you've got a, a takeover on 16th. You've got Super Showdown. And if we're going to carry on with that uh, debacle going over to Saudi, then you've got February 27th, you've got a Super Showdown, which is obviously not going to have any female uh, wrestlers on there. Put Evolution on in February. If you're going to do a Saudi show, put Evolution on in the same month. Put the women's rumble on in February and have the whole evolution about showcasing your female talent. Have your rumble. It's the following month. It's on their own pay-per-view, so you're showcasing that. And then it still leads into Mania. And I just think if you... I don't know why they've not done it. Maybe numbers were down or whatever, some business crap. But I just think it, it then... You can still have you know your, your women's championship matches on your rumble card. It leads up to the men's rumble. Following month, you have an evolution, you have your women's titles, you have an NXT match, you have the tag titles, you have a women's rumble match, you know, make it 20 or 30 or 90 seconds in between or whatever, and then it leads into Elimination Chamber into WrestleMania. I think that'll give both matches room to breathe, room to be on shore, and you don't get that sort of, that little, you know, fifth hour lag um, due to overkill of, of the gimmick. I don't know. That's again just me. I'm, uh... I'm not saying it'd be a bad idea, but I can already see the reaction. Just like, oh, what? So the women aren't good enough to get on the Royal Rumble pay per view now? All that sort of stuff. That's the only thing, only problem with living in 2020. But um, I know what you're saying, Tebs. I think we'll wrap up on this subject. That Edge Randy Orton segment last night on Raw. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. What a brilliant angle. I didn't really want to see Edge versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania, but that angle made me want to see Edge versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania. It was brilliant. Edge was amazing. Orton played his part as well. Um, so if you've not seen it, which I'm assuming everyone has, um, Randy Orton basically said, let's reunite rated RKO. Um, Edge agrees. Randy Orton hits the RKO, threatens to pilmanize the neck of Edge, but instead, like, it's like he can't decide whether to do it. And instead, he hits the one-man concerto on Edge. And Edge is carried out on a stretcher. So, yeah, what do you reckon? Edge or and WrestleMania, Tebs? Yeah, I'm behind that. I'll watch that. Um, you, there's a whole list of who you see. Edge, Rollins, Edge, AJ, Edge, whoever. Um, you know, you can only have one at once. Um, the chemistry between them in the Rumble match. You know, where he's just about to RKO him and Edge kind of looked back, you know, can I really trust you? I think that laid the seed, the seeds for it on Monday night. Um, the selling from Edge, I mean, the, the crowd. I remember with um, when Brian came back and he, he just announced it and then I think it was Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens that came out because they're having that feud with the, the, the GMs of SmackDown at the time, Brian and McMahon. And uh, they did a, I think it was powerbomb, pop-up powerbomb onto the, the ring apron on Brian. And the whole crowd and everyone was just like, watch his frigging neck, will you? And it kind of elevated it. It's real. You've got this guy who pretty much had what a broken back. 
and he's come back from it. And the first thing he does is get a, get a chair shot straight to the spine. Um, you saw him crying out in pain, where Edge is crawling to the ropes. You saw him twitching a little bit as his head's being put into the chair, and all that. And the whole crowd, I think, were just sort of there going, Jesus, just be careful with him, will you? You know, I, yeah, it was a fantastic spot. I think you've just made Randy Orton probably one of the most hated people in wrestling right now. Um, it takes Edge away, you know, it get, lets him come back into it gently. Um, but as a showcase match at WrestleMania, that can go on second to last for me. I think that'll be an absolute stonker. I'm already picturing the things they can do with that video package as well. You've got all the history of rated RKO, former tag team champions, the Edge retirement speech, this angle. They can make a great video package out of that for WrestleMania, definitely. Like we were saying over the text before, Randy Orton needs to stop doing the RKO. I think if he's going to be a hated heel, I don't think he needs to be doing these RKO's out of nowhere um, because usually they do get a bit of a pop. But it didn't on this occasion. But maybe it will later on down the line. When Austin turned heel uh, and he aligned with McMahon, I think, was it 2000 WrestleMania? 2000, yeah. And afterwards, he was giving stunners out and the crowd are just going wild because they just want to see the stunners. Rock do it you know, rock bottom and it's a move that's over. And I think when you're heel, you need to just know what your audience like. And if your RKO pops them like it does, you've just got to piss people off by not doing it. Definitely. Definitely. So I think that's it. We've gone 75 minutes, a little bit longer than we'd maybe planned. We've missed the first 15, 20 minutes of the Leeds Millwall game and Blackburn have just scored as well. So my next door neighbor will be buzzing, which makes it even worse. Um, But yeah, that was Royal Rumble 2020, an in-depth review of the first WWE pay-per-view of the year. Tebs, I want to say thanks for joining you. You stole the show. I thought you were absolutely fantastic, considering it's your only your second ever podcast. You gave some great in-depth thoughts. So yeah, you've made a mistake, you know, because you were that good. You're going to have me hounding you to be a guest on the show. You're going to be like, I wish wish you'd piss off messaging me to review 205 Live on a Saturday morning. (laughs) (laughs) We could... Tebs, what are you doing for main event next week? <laughs> We've got Sarah Logan against whoever Frig they can find in the back. Yeah. Think, you know what? The only the only thing I'm going to take away, and there was one last uh, drunken thought I had. I'll leave you with this. I couldn't even find room for EC3. And I, I know you don't, you don't like him, do you? I don't mind him. I think he's fine. I just think, you know, I, I love EC3. I, I think he's great. I think he's great on the mic. I liked him on NXT. He got moved up. And you're just looking at the, even for Brock to have thrown him out. I mean, Eric Rowan lasted eight seconds. They just, you know, brought EC3 and there's this guy who knows he's going to get thrown over the rope and just don't give a shit. But no, that's, uh, I just don't know what the guy has got to do to uh, to get some screen time. But no, love the Royal Rumble. Can't wait for uh, the Chamber. I will watch the Saudi show and I'll be sat here at uh, 5 a.m. watching you lot in Tampa enjoy uh, what looks to be already setting up as a damn fine WrestleMania. Great. You and Neil can record a podcast for that one. <laughs> we'll do it. Drunken podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks for joining us, Tebs. Um, hopefully you'll right. be back. We'll be doing the WrestleMania 35 review show hopefully next week. So that should be a lot of fun. Look out for that. So yeah, um, like we always say, subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify. Maybe we've 
pissed off Podbean robbing bastards. But anyway, subscribe www.patreon.com forward slash neutral wrestling hashtag SummerSlam 2024. And we will see you next week. We will be back talking about our trip to WrestleMania 35. Look out for the WWE versus AEW podcast, which will drop into your podcast feeds as on Saturday morning as ever. Maybe even do a little quick podcast on the New Japan shows coming up this weekend. But I'm Daniel Tebbs. Nice one for joining us. And we are now fully on the road to WrestleMania. Listen to me now